you may have a an opinion about something, but when you're coaching someone, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. <laughs> what matters is helping that individual. Hello, everyone. So today we have Kumar Trayan with us. Uh, Kumar is a president and founder of Agile uh, Meridian Company. Uh, they help businesses uh, transform organizations uh, and implement and establish uh, lean and agile methodologies. And I had a pleasure working with Kumar a few years ago uh, on one of the uh, quite large uh, projects for modernizing technologies at one of the government agencies. And he's helped a lot with uh, coaching, uh, leadership at the team level and leadership at the organization level. And he helped and coached uh, me how to work with teams and, and become a better Scrum Master. Uh, so that was a huge impact on the team's performance and, and the execution. Uh, so we've done it for, uh, I think, for almost a year. And then mm -hmm. I was moved on to another team and, and you stayed longer there. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a quick background of um, uh, how we know each other. And uh, today, uh, I specifically wanted to talk with Kumar about his experience uh, with leadership and executive coaching, how to build agile mindset in an, in an organization, uh, those type of things. So, but before we jump into the topic and questions that I have, uh, I'll let Kumar introduce himself a little bit and uh, uh, tell us what is Agile Meridian is and what work they do and things like that. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on the show, uh, Vitaly. Uh, you did a great job introducing me. So I am a co-founder of Agile Meridian. Uh, it was formed about five years ago or so, just right, just before the pandemic. And mm -hmm. it was uh, it was really me and, and three other guys that I've been working with over the past 10 years. We always seem to run into each other in the same circles, the same clients. And so we decided, hey, let's put a company together, see if we can make a go at it. Um, at um, uh, at um, you know delivering our brand of service, if you will, to our clients because uh, we mm -hmm. all kind of think alike and we all do things the same way. So we put this company together, and mostly around agile transformation. So when you, I mean, there's lots of companies like us that do what we do, but mm -hmm. what we try to do is take the buzzwords out of um agile and scrum and all these you know frameworks that are out there and really focus on the results that we bring our clients uh and so we really focus on hey what is it you want to accomplish through the use of agile and then we try to do that uh in a way that resonates with their their leadership so that's what kind of sets us apart a little bit i think there is a lot of uh, uh agile jargon uh flowing around and sometimes people get confused what it is. So that's, that's yep. good to uh, explain to people what this is. <clears throat> uh, to get us started, uh, do you have any sort of example or uh, case study that you can share uh, of um, a successful experience that you had uh, being an executive coach? Um, sure, there's many. Let's see, the first one that comes to mind um... Uh, is with, um, I, I was working in an organization, a large financial, uh, one of the financial organizations that was too big to fail. So you can guess who that might be. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
this was back in um, 2015 or so. And I worked with uh, the, the, the senior person there was a, a VP of uh, the, data, the data organization. And so I worked with him and his team. And, um, you know, that was a really great experience, not only for me, but also, I think, for the team that I work with. They were all uh, very bright, obviously bright people. Uh, and, um, you know, it helped me shape my, uh, my approach to leaders, right? So leaders are no different than anyone else. It's just that they have a lot more responsibility on their shoulder, uh, shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, this particular leader, uh, who I was, uh, coaching some of the time, uh, he was a champion for agile within the organization. And so he brought me in and some others in. And so you know, even though he understood what it took to bring Agile to the company, he also relied on me and my advice and my counsel to help him think of ways to motivate his uh, direct reports and his team. Uh, and so that was a great experience uh, to work with that team. And, you know, we still keep in touch. He uh, still checks on me every once in a while. Uh, so that's uh, yeah. it's always a good thing. You make friends and you hopefully stay friends with with these people. Yeah. Great. Um, so uh, working with and you have a lot of experience with working with different people and higher ups in the organization and maybe just leaders in the team level. And they all have different leadership styles and, and how they do things and how they work with their teams. Uh, so how do you uh, apply different techniques maybe or figure out coaching approach uh, based on the leadership style of, of leaders? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of my coaching is, um, I'd say the majority of my coaching is group coaching. So I'm coaching multiple people, uh, mm -hmm. teams, uh, whether they're leadership teams or they're uh, delivery teams, it's uh, coaching teams. Some of my coaching is one-on-one. -on -one. So I coach leaders, executives, one-on-one. -on -one. When I'm coaching teams, leadership teams, it's really about creating a harmonious team dynamic so that the individuals on the team uh, can understand other individuals on the team better so they can work better together. And so part of that group coaching or team coaching that's different from individual coaching is helping people understand themselves first and then help them understand the other members of their team that they work with so that they can work with them better. So as an example uh, of this, you know, a lot of times I will encourage the team, especially leadership teams, to go through an assessment, a, um, uh, a emotional intelligence or DISC or uh, the, uh, an assessment that gives them a profile of their personality and use that as a way to say, okay, this is how your team looks personality-wise. And in, especially with leadership teams, oftentimes all of the people on the team are type A, you know, sort of really driven individuals. And mm -hmm. so they start to understand, oh, okay, that's why we debate about things forever. And that's why we can't come to uh, an agreement about things. And so it also s spurs this uh, notion that maybe we need some other personalities on our leadership team, especially if the leadership team is small, they may bring somebody else in that balances them out. It provides a mm -hmm. different viewpoint to theirs, right? So that they can form better decisions, make better decisions. 
So that's the team coaching aspect of it. I try to help the team become more aware of themselves and aware of each other so they can function better together. Um, on the individual thing, getting to your question about leadership styles, that's where it really helps to have individual relationships with the people on the team, right? To observe how they interact with others. What is their default style of leadership, whether they're more uh, authoritarian uh, or democratic mm -hmm. or, um, and, and what style of leadership do they use most of the time? Because what I've seen over my experience, my, my years of experience is that good leaders, I mean, there's no good in terms of people that uh, are more flexible leaders, more resilient leaders, they vary right. their style of leadership right. based on the um, situation, right? They're situational leaders. So if, mm -hmm. uh, say, you're my leader, uh, Vitali, and I'm brand new to the organization, you may take a more coaching or maybe even a directive style of leadership with me so that I can get up to speed. And once I'm, I get up to speed, your style will change to accommodate my newfound knowledge experience in the company. Well, not all leaders work that way. They may be always authoritative and directive, no matter the experience level of the employee, which can cause a lot of conflict, right? Um, and so in some cases, when I'm coaching teams, I don't get the one-on-one. -on -one, uh, and so I don't get the time to do that enough. But when I do, that's what I do. I try to observe and provide feedback to the, the individual to say, hey, I noticed that, you know, uh, uh, in that meeting, you acted a certain way. Tell me more about that. What brought that response, right, to help them become more aware of their behavior? Uh, one more point I want to make is I have some clients where I exclusively do one-on-one -on -one coaching with them. And in those cases, I spend a lot of time on understanding their style of leadership, their behaviors, their triggers, their emotional triggers to help them uh, be, more, uh, be more effective, really, as leaders or whatever their role is, be more effective at work. Yeah, I really like that uh, remark about how some people change in their leadership style. Uh, and sometimes you need to be more uh, pushy and tell people what to do. And sometimes you just want to delegate some of the uh, responsibilities and trust them to do the, the, the best they can. Uh, so that's very interesting. Uh, I see this at the team level as well, dealing with mm -hmm. team leads and, and maybe like software developers versus junior developers. So that's interesting how it doesn't matter the hierarchy level it still yeah. applies everywhere yeah that's great so uh in your opinion uh dealing with all the circumstances uh what um what kind of uh, uh like maybe good qualities um you can or just qualities you can um specify for a good executive coach for the coach what should a coach um strive for yeah <clears throat> i'd say that coaching is um is something that most people can do, I think, with training, with guidance. I've been coaching mm -hmm. my whole career. I didn't really know it. Um, you know, I started in restaurants as a young, uh, in my younger days, and I was coaching then. I just didn't know I was coaching. Um, it was only after I realized it, going to various certification programs and taking classes, uh, taking, uh, you know, cert, uh, 
uh, yeah, classes, I guess, from the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, that I realized that, hey, I, I have been exhibiting some of these qualities for a long time. And the qualities are really the ability to listen, uh, to suspend your own judgment, uh, to be curious, to be empathetic, to uh, you may have a, an opinion about something, but when you're coaching someone, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. <laughs> what <Right>. matters <laughs> is helping that individual um, reach um, some decision about whatever it is, it is that's, that's holding them back, right? And so as a coach, it's not your role or your job to tell them what the answer is. And I, I used to do this. So when I was a younger coach, when I was an agile coach, strictly an agile coach, um, I used to do a lot of telling, hey, you shouldn't do that or you should do this or, you know, a lot of advice giving. And um, I don't do as much of that anymore. Of course, if people want to, you know, they, Kumar, just tell me, you know, just quit asking me questions. Just tell me what to do. Then I'll do that. But the role of the coach isn't to give the answer. The role of the coach is to ask a lot of questions because chances are the person that's being coached already has the answer. They just haven't reached into their brain to figure it out yet, or they already have figured it out, but they're fearful of implementing that thing. Right. Uh, or it's very it more like a therapy. <laughs> it is, it is in a way therapy, but um, you know, it's, it can be, when you tell someone what the answer is, and this is this is this is my experience anyway. So ten years ago, I do I used to do more telling and less asking. So when mm -hmm. you used to when when I used to do that, the results I got was weren't as good, right? So people, you tell them to do something, okay, they'll do it once, but they'll forget. They won't re remember why they did it that way or what the benefit was. They'll just do it. it just becomes right. yeah, okay. Kumar said this this will work. Oh, it does work. Great. And then they forget the next time. But when you have a conversation, a little bit longer conversation with them, and, and they come up with their answer on their own, it's going to stick in their brains a lot longer, probably forever, because now it's, a, it's something they came up with. They have ownership on, on, of that, that decision. Right. Right. And so even though it may take longer, it might ruffle some feathers, especially people that are looking for a consultant and not a coach. I think it's worth spending the time developing those skills, empathy, curiosity, open-mindedness, uh, being really unbiased as a coach, even though you may have biases, not letting uh -huh. those biases come through. Those are really most important, I think, in, in my mind. It comes down to like, you listen well, uh, understand what they're talking about, and then don't tell them what to do, but rather ask more questions and listen more until they come up to the conclusion. Uh, it's it's like sounds like a therapy or sounds like a, you just have to go through cycles and cycles until they figure it out. And when they do, it becomes uh, like written in their minds and and, yeah. it, and they they follow through. And and yeah. the key isn't really to you know, to make it long and drawn out. I can have a coaching session with someone in ten or fifteen minutes and be effective. It's, so that comes with experience. It I comes with be experience. Able to do that right away. Yeah. Anyway. So you have to cycle through many people and coaching yes. sessions. To, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I have I have uh, grown as a coach, and I'm continuing to learn as a coach. I'm not perfect. No one is. 
you know, right. <laughs> uh, and every coach has their own style, I, I would think. But it, if that style is underpinned by those qualities that I mentioned, I think they're probably pretty successful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay. So now we talked about qualities. Uh, how about some of the challenges, maybe from your personal experience, something that you need to like improve in yourself and you keep trying? Uh, you see a pattern there that it happens all the time or frequently. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge um, is not necessarily with the coach. It's with the coachee. A lot of times there's mm -hmm. a stigma associated with coaching. Like, okay, I don't need coaching. If I, if I get a coach, it means there's something wrong with me. You know, I, wh wh why, why would I talk to this? What does he know about? or she know about my problems, my issues. Mm -hmm. I can figure this out on my own. I don't need anyone, right? And so when you encounter people like that, and you're bound to, I think everyone has a limit to how much they're going to share with you, especially mm -hmm. in the beginning, uh, uh, when you start to work with someone, uh, or start to work with a the team, there's always going to be a barrier. And so as a coach, the biggest challenge is overcoming the barrier. Uh, in some cases, the barrier is going to be really up there. It's going to be high up and thick, right? <laughs> uh, and in other cases, it melts away almost immediately once they, the person sees that you're not a threat and you're there to help them. It's gone and it's like this gush of information, <laughs> right? Um, I think the biggest challenge, though, is with the folks that are more guarded, that are more um, resistant to uh, the coaching that you're, you've been brought there to provide. You know, from an agile coaching standpoint, that person that you work with uh, did not make the decision to hire you. Someone else did. Some muckety muck that signs a check said, oh, let's do agile. and uh, uh, requisitioned a work order and you know funded it and there you are coaching you're there introduced as the coach Vitali is your coach and here's all these people like huh why do we need a coach <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we are on the line to get fired if we don't do this <laughs> yeah yeah well do yeah. we do something wrong what's going on here right. why do we need a coach yeah. And so I think um, the biggest challenge is overcoming that initial resistance and establishing a uh, rapport with the person, with the team, with whoever it is that you're there with, uh, you know, forming some kind of relationship with them so that they know that you're there to help them. You're not a threat. You're just there to help them become a better team, a better person, a better employee, a better whatever, right? And if you can do that quickly, then you have a pretty good shot at having a, a good outcome with the team. Yeah, I'm, when you were talking, it hit my brain that it sounds like it's a little shortcut. You, you basically uh, hiring a, an experienced person who can tell you uh, a few things and you can jump over certain uh, experiences of certain lessons you can just get. Uh, for free and quickly, and you don't have to go through maybe painful experience yourself. Yeah. And then how? And that's how you excel yourself and your team. Um, yeah, it's it's just 
some some metaphor. No, that's I think that's mind. a great way to look at it. It's, it's a coach is like a catalyst for a team, especially mm -hmm. if um, they've had a shared experience with what the team's gone through before. And even if not, a coach, a good coach, doesn't have to know anything about what the team does really. Um, I, I attended a uh, a um, coaching clinic uh, mm -hmm. with um, with this person named Christian Simpson. He's a pretty famous coach out there, and he had us all in our tables, the tables of five people. Uh, the the exercise was to learn how to juggle, and we were supposed to teach the person next to us how to ju juggle, and then somebody was supposed to teach us, me, like how to juggle. Now, I don't know how to juggle. Almost no one in that table knew how to juggle. But uh, almost all of us got better at juggling from the coaching that we were getting. Because when, you, when you're coaching, you don't have to know anything about what you're coaching about. Honestly, you don't. All you have to do is have an open, curious mindset and, mm -hmm. and observe. Be able to observe what's going on. and provide feedback on what you observe, right? If you can do those things, then you don't have to be an expert at whatever it is uh, to coach. Now, of course, as an agile coach, they don't bring anyone off the street to coach the team on Scrum or Kanban right. or whatever. There is an expectation, yeah. you know, those frameworks. <laughs> and therein yeah, lies the dilemma. you have to some skills, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and therein lies yeah. the dilemma for an agile coach because an agile coach is brought in as an expert and so these people are like oh god another expert we got to learn another framework and so that creates a little bit of a uh can can create a little bit of a barrier because these people i don't want to learn scrum i'm fine doing my waterfall work what's wrong with it right and so you have to overcome a couple of barriers one the reason yeah. you were brought there in the first place is because of a change in process or whatever and then yeah. you have to build the relationships as well so um it's uh it's it's fun <laughs> yeah so, uh, something you mentioned is there is ability to give a good feedback to people yeah and, and feedback is a tricky word uh the way i look at feedback is always i look mostly for negative feedback because i think that's where the most improvements leave uh but some people are afraid of the negative feedback they they are not critical of themselves or their teams and as a coach how do you deliver negative feedback or some sort of feedback that people may not feel very comfortable about? Yeah. Well, I think feedback is the, um, is a, is a gift really. Any kind of feedback is a gift. Um, there's actually a free course on, on my website on feedback. How do you give and receive feedback? And mm -hmm. I, and that feedback really, it, it, it can be stressful, especially if it's given in a way that, um, that, um, seems like it's an attack on the person rather mm -hmm. than, um, a way for that person to improve some aspect of their, their behavior. <clears throat> so there is a skill in giving the feedback and there's also a skill that needs to be developed for people who receive it, right? It, it's a two-way conversation. It's not one way. So someone giving feedback Hey, Vitaly, I want to, you know, do you have time for some feedback? I want to give you some feedback. And if you say, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. If I just talk without letting you speak, then that's not feedback. 
<laughs> that's just me scolding you for something that I perceive uh -huh. as something that you did wrong. And you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. However, if feedback is viewed more as a conversation between two equals, then uh, it makes it a lot easier for the person receiving the feedback, even if they're initially, uh, I don't know if I want to hear this, if, if you present it in a way that it's a conversation, hey, Vitaly, I'd like to give you some feedback on the presentation earlier. And you're like, oh, what's the feedback? I'm like, well, I, I think you did a really great job. It's just that some of the slides had too many words and not enough uh, pictures. What do you think about that? So now I just turn it over to you to process it and think about it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that becomes, it doesn't become about me. And I'm, I'm speaking about something very specific and letting you respond. And so you might respond, you know, Kumar, you're wrong. Uh, you know, I had to have all that data on the slides because uh, my, my, uh, the, the audience, they, they like it. Mm -hmm. And I would say, okay, well, uh, that makes sense. Um, just in, you know, just keep in mind that pictures can speak a lot more than words can. But maybe in this situation, that wasn't the case. But thank you for hearing me out, right? Or it could go the other way, right? You might say, hey, that's great feedback. I didn't think about that. You know, I, I maybe I'll incorporate that in the next slide deck. Yeah. So it can be a it can be a really fruitful conversation. Yeah, that's a great uh, suggestion and technique to try. Uh, there is always resistance when you try to push your feedback on people and, and especially on professionals uh, in, in this profession, people tend to know how to do things better and they figure it out by themselves over a long period of time. When somebody comes in and tell them, uh, well, you should do this and not that, uh, they take it in the wrong way and, and coach uh, should know how to present this feedback in a way that it's not uh, negative or it's not pushy and it's just suggestions and things like that so yeah that's great this resistance even happens with like when um in in product management for example when customers may complain about some feature or something and some stubborn product manager may see or product owner to that uh, may sit there and say that like no you just don't understand this and that i've seen people like that who push back to customers when they truly give you uh, feedback that this is something maybe easier to use or whatnot. So, yeah, that's a skill to learn for sure. That's a good one. It, it is. It is a skill, and on the receiving side too. Like if you're if you're receiving feedback, you know it can be very stressful for that person. And so there's techniques that you can use to make it less so. Um, so rather yeah. than be, being just the recipient, you know it, it, what I often tell people that are the recipient of feedback is become a participant, not just a recipient, right? It's your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> even if you don't yeah. agree with it, even if you don't agree with the feedback, find 2%, 1% common ground between um, what they're saying and what you think, to, what you perceive to be uh, true. But if you can find just 2% tr truth between what they're saying and what you perceive to be true, then you have something that you can talk about, something you can improve. The, the, the biggest resistance or challenges and issues may come with, uh, from when companies are uh, hiring external coaches. Uh, lately, there's been this push to have internal coaches as well. 
And mm-hmm. sometimes people say like, oh, you Scrum Masters, you also coaches, or oh, maybe we don't need uh, uh, agile coaches. Let's just have project managers do that, or product managers do that. We all can coach and things like that. So what do you think, or what, what can you tell to those organizations and say, uh, external coaches are maybe better for, in your case, for your case, what, what those situations could be? You know, um, I think um, this is a this is a good question and always a struggle, right? Um, so I'll, I'll just say what I think uh, I've experienced. So ex- between external and internal, mm-hmm. because I, I've been in both places. I used to work in a company where I was the internal coach, and um, here's the problem: when you're internal inside of a company, you are part of the furniture. Right, you're part of the furniture. Yeah. So if your role is to coach, people don't see you as the expert, right? Um, I mean, not that's not always true. I mean, I think I think um, uh, you can build a reputation as someone that has expertise, and you can really do really good work and help people inside of a company. Um, but it takes more effort. It takes more effort. Like it's, it's when I was an internal coach, I would always wonder, like, oh my god. This guy is saying the exact same thing I said five minutes ago, and people are listening to him. Why didn't they listen to me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's something, uh, the words I use or what's going on. <laughs> no, no, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. Maybe exactly a couple of words are different, but exactly the same. People are coming to me and say, oh, you know what coach blah, blah, blah said? And, like, and, and they say whatever. And I said, I'm just like, oh, God, okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you, you find that valuable. <laughs> But I, I don't say yeah. I told you so or anything because what would that solve, right? So I think if you're an internal coach and you see that kind of thing happening, it's best just to embrace those external coaches, uh, learn from them, use them, you know, whatever. Now to your question about what's better or, you know, why are coaches not being hired anymore or why are other roles being placed in the role of the coach? Um yeah, you know the the economy is being what it is. I think a lot of companies are cutting costs, and you know interest rates uh-huh. being as high as they are. There's lots of layoffs, especially in the tech, IT world. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. IT world, the tech world got bloated, um, and then the pandemic hit, and now the I- IT world, you know, the technology companies are starting to reduce that bloat. You know, of uh, uh, Meta ha- has laid off. You know, tens of thousands of people, Google, um, Amazon, you name it. Every company is that's a technology right. company has let go of a lot of people. Part of it is because of AI, right? Uh, honestly, because AI is, makes people more productive. Um, and yep. so, and but part of it is just because they have too many people. Um, and and so, coaches are a luxury. In, in this kind of economic climate, it's a luxury to have uh, someone that you can hire from the outside to help you uh, improve the way you operate as, as a team, as a company and all that stuff. And so, it, you know, especially when it comes to agile coaching and ad, agile has been around for a long time. And so I would say right. I understand why companies are saying, well, why can't the pro- product owners do it or the product? project managers do the coaching? Why can't they do um, the, the scrum mastering? Why do we have to have all these extra roles? You know, what, what, 
purpose does it serve? And personally, I think it's healthy. It's healthy that uh, companies question these things because it's going to make the coaching profession better, ultimately. Because right now, this uh -huh. pendulum is swung one way. It's going to swing back. And when it does, coaches need to be ready to serve the clients better, right? Not be dead weight and not uh, pitch uh, frameworks for the sake of frameworks. They need to come in with real business acumen, real coaching uh, expertise to help these companies be better than they were before. Yeah. So, so if I think about earlier analogy with shortcuts, you just get strategic about this. You, you hire a coach temporarily. Uh, to work with you or your team, uh, figure out certain issues, uh, maybe assign uh, some metrics, how you want to measure that success, have that goal passed on to the coach. And once that goal is reached, uh, the contract ends basically and, and you move on. And if you need a need in the future, you go through the same experience again. Yeah. Uh, so th that may be something where we're going with in the with the current situation we just more mm -hmm. um more um more true coaching rather than embedded coaching you know a lot of coaching in the in the 20 between 2010 and 2020 was embedded you're at the client side 40 hours a week with the teams mm -hmm. um and that's very expensive for companies to afford you know is, is it effective yeah i think so i think to a certain extent it is ex effective but um, it's um, difficult to sustain that for, for a long time. And so maybe more, more flexible models where the coach comes in and, and is there to observe and help the team. You know, being there embedded doesn't help, doesn't necessarily help, especially if the coach isn't that proficient. It may um, hinder the team's development because the coach is there telling them what to do all, all, all the time, right? But if the coach yeah. is not there, the teams have to pick up the slack and do these things that are expected of them. So maybe a more flexible model of coaching uh, can be more effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, speaking of uh, metrics, then, um, do you personally have some sort of uh, uh, metrics that you like to propose or is it on the client's end? So they tell you like this is what we want and we you're here to help us get there how does it usually work yeah i mean anytime you start an engagement with a client it has to start with some kind of a um you know an agreement with the team that you're coaching what is it that they want to accomplish mm -hmm. uh what what uh, whether they know you're coming or not you have to have that conversation with them hey i'm here now you know whether you knew i was coming or not what are your biggest challenges your biggest pain points and, you know, uh, you create a, an agreement, a coaching agreement, a coaching plan with them that includes targets, goals. Okay, if you want to improve productivity, what does that mean uh, uh -huh. exactly? Oh, we don't know what that means. Okay, so let's get some baselines. Maybe the target initially is just to establish baselines for productivity, baselines for quality, baselines for whatever it is that they want to improve. And then... And then you can start to set some goals against those baselines to say, all right, we want to reduce our defect uh, injection rate by 10%. And we want to uh, improve our customer satisfaction scores by whatever percent. You know, it really depends on where the team is as well, right, in the organization. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. And what what kind of work that they do. Like I was with a, a product company that was um, developing a web uh, features basically for their for their website, and so the teams were very close to the customer because it's the, the interface was all that was between the team and customers using the services on the site. And so for those teams, um, the goals are very clear how they wanted to improve. They wanted to improve the user experience. They wanted to improve the the responsiveness. They wanted to improve the conversion rates for these people that are coming to their site and Mm -hmm. browsing the the different items that they could purchase and so on and so forth. Uh, But in many cases, when you're coaching a team, they may be far removed from the customer, right? And so you have to really dig into what are their metrics? What are they trying to improve? And how can you do that uh, in the time that you have with them? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And then um, there's a follow-up to this. So when you, as a coach, when coach leaves the team, basically, or the organization, uh, how do you ensure that the the, the progress and, and the learnings are sustainable and with all these positive changes that happen? How people don't forget about this? Is there some sort of like before you go, you you supposed to remember something like cheat sheets or whatever? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the biggest challenge, uh, especially with um, uh, with uh, I'd say with agile transformations where the the goal isn't very clear from a company perspective as to what 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 is what are we trying to do with this transformation. So I would mm-hmm. say, I would say what I would say is and what I try to do is as long as you have a clear agreement as to what the expectations are um, at Azure Meridian, we use a model called DEEP. It's, it's an acronym. It starts for discover, engage, educate, produce. All right. Discover, engage, educate, produce. And what we do uh-huh. there is in the discover phase, we are observing, discovering what's um, uh, what need, what's, uh, what, what, where the challenges are, where the constraints are, how can we help as coaches to uh, relieve those constraints? Uh, we are creating agreements, you know, things like that to help the team or teams become uh, more productive or achieve whatever their goals are. In mm-hmm. the Engage, we are actively coaching the teams. So we're coaching, we're mentoring uh, we're helping them pick up new skills, new capabilities, whether it's agile mm-hmm. coaching or some other kind of coaching. It doesn't matter. It's always you're trying to imbue the team or the members of the team with uh, new mindsets, new thinking, new whatever, so that they can be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think it's educate, then engage. So <laughs> I got the, the acronym a little mixed up. The engage part is where okay, now they have the education, they have the basics, and now you're engaging with them, watching them do do it for themselves. Like maybe it's a mm-hmm. scrum team. You're just there to observe and provide guidance. You maybe just come to the planning sessions. You may only come to the retrospectives. And all you're doing is providing an observation to the key members of the team that are really running the team, the product owner, the scrum master, the tech lead, whoever. And in the produce phase, you're really disengaging because the teams are doing it all. They've mm-hmm. got it, right? They're, they're demonstrating the mindset that 
you hopefully imbued in them, they are coaching their team internally, right? You have um, effectively handed the reins of the transformation to them. And so they're acting in, a, in, a, in the capacity of a coach, of a product owner, of a mentor, of a teacher, mm -hmm. all those things. Uh, and, and so we try to do that with all of our engagements is follow the deep method, the deep model, so that when we leave, there's, we, we leave with the capability of the organization lifted. If we leave and the capability is still down where it was, then you haven't done your job <laughs> as a coach, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's, that's the, uh, of course you, you leave, you know, it's not always a happy time, right? Because you make relationships, yeah. you make friends, but um, that's the nature of being a consultant, uh, a coach consultant. So that okay. is what it is. Yeah, well, that's a great approach. I never heard of a, of a deep. I, I'll have to now Google and read more about that. That's interesting. You will only find it on yeah. the Agile Meridian site. <laughs> ah, that's your uh, that's your approach. Okay, got that's it. Our okay. Well, that's easier. Got it. Yeah. Okay, I'll, it's easier than I'll, I know what your website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, for the organization to integrate the coaches uh, into the overall enterprise leadership, um, like improvement program uh, or continuous education program, um, is there any advice for organizations to do that? Or have you seen with your experience where they're actually doing this and periodically sending leadership? Uh, uh, to some coaching sessions or maybe hiring coaches for certain things periodically. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's, it requires a lot of intention, right? So it's not just, oh, let's get some coaches for this agile transformation and then we see uh -huh. them off, right? So to sustain it over time, of course, deep, if they engage with us, hopefully they they'll it will sustain over time, but it, it needs to go beyond that. So if the organization is trying to, uh, move into a more of a an organization that supports coaching by leaders. So, you know, middle managers are not directing, they're really coaching, they're servant leading their teams, they're uh, spawning new leaders, new people to come up, right? Mm -hmm. That takes a certain mindset, a very intentional mindset to say, okay, we want to move from an organization that's more directive to an organization that's more supportive of the people that work there. And there are companies that have done that. There are companies that have grown up like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so what, what do they do? It's part of their DNA. It's part of their, 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 the way they think, they breathe, their mindset. Uh, if you walk into a company like this, they, uh, they are agile, very nimble, very agile, even though they may not use Scrum or whatever. Right. They are they they operate in small teams. They operate on a cadence. If you look and see how they work with each other, they invariably follow the agile principles and values and principles, even though they may have never read them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for companies that want that, they have to be very intentional about it. They have to make it part of their values, part of the training that they provide the employees especially the people in leadership positions, they need to provide them the tools so that they can be, they can be those internal coaches. And then they need to change the reward structure so that people are rewarded for those types of behaviors. 
They should be rewarded by how many people they promote into positions of leadership, not how many widgets their teams produce, right? Mm -hmm. If it's based on productivity, then the the equation is skewed. <laughs> I'm yeah. being, being rewarded for how many people I can direct so they can produce more stuff. That shouldn't be the case if you want a coaching culture, right? Uh, and not to say that that's not a viable model. I mean, you know, hey, every there are lots of very successful companies that are that are very hierarchical, right? It really just yeah. depends on what balance of hierarchy and uh, coaching do you you want in your company. And there are a lot of companies that will hire external coaches for that, right? Um, mm -hmm. I work with an organization called Better Up. Have you heard of them? No. So Better Up is a coaching company, and they, I work through them to provide coaching, executive coaching, to people all around the world. Mm -hmm. And I do it not for the money, but because it isn't that great, but I do it because I love coaching. And so these companies around the world, they, they're, they're like, we want to get some coaching for our people, our high potentials, our leaders, our, you know, whatever. And so they, uh -huh. instead of hiring a bunch of external coaches and having to find and vet them, they just go to a company like BetterUp because they do that automatically, right? They make sure they have a good uh, cadre of coaches that represent BetterUp, and then they hire them out, you know, as 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 coach consultants is, to is the like companies. Kind of like a freelance uh, model? Pretty much. Like, okay. Yeah. I don't commit okay. to any number of hours. You know, people on the platform, they pick me and then I coach them for six months or okay. so. Yeah, okay. it's cool. it's great. I love it. I love it. Um, again, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I love to meet these people, real leaders with real issues, real challenges in the workplace and help yeah. them through something, you know, hopefully make them better leaders. Yeah, that builds experience for you and for them. Uh, yeah. And also you can you can just free up, uh, or, I mean, use your free time for, for this type of work and uh, yeah. help more people. Yeah, that's great. I don't okay. have any well, free time. I, do, I make time for it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's great advice. I think, yeah, uh, the co building the coaching culture in an organization uh, is great. And also just in general, building a culture of growing uh, employees and, and giving them better place to work is always good because when people know that if there is an opportunity to grow and they see the path, uh, they will take advantage. At least most people will do that. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, the, if organization can follow through this and with help of coaches, of course, uh, yeah. that's great to see. All right. Well, I think that was great. Uh, thanks a lot for all your experience and answers. I think that's great. I learned a lot. And uh, Good. before you, <laughs> yeah, before you go, I just wanted to ask you to share some uh, information how people can find you and find the Agile Meridian and check you out and and see uh, sure. maybe they can connect. I'm everything. all over yeah. the internet. Just search for, um, you can go to LinkedIn, look, look up my, uh, my, my profile, Kumar data train, uh, the agile Meridian, just go to agile meridian.com. That's my website. Um, I, um, I actually am teaching a coaching class in March. So I'd love to see people, whoever's listening, if you want to, uh, learn some of the techniques that, 
uh, that I've spent most of my life learning, uh, come to the class. You know, I, I'd love, yeah. to, love to, I love to teach, I love to coach. So I, I'd love to see you in that class. Um, I, um, what else? Uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. I'm not very active on Twitter, but I'm, I'm everywhere pretty much. You should be able to okay. find me. That's good. Yeah, that, that should be easy to find then. Yeah, yeah, and I'll put links to the description and everywhere so people can also have shortcut there. So, okay. Yeah, okay. And I'll just ask everybody else if you have any other questions or any feedback or anything you want to say, just, uh, just let us know uh, in the comments and, and share uh, this video with your friends and whoever you think will benefit. Of course, yeah. So, yeah, that will be yeah. great. Thanks for having me on. It's, All it's right. been a pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Take care. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.